Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Should I continue running with the mask on? Why is it that I have to wait like three hours in a testing line? Do you think it's going to be one uniform vaccine or do you think there will be different vaccines? As the pandemic rages on in the United States, we're constantly grappling with new and complicated situations that don't have clear answers. From vaccines to schools to testing, there are so many questions out there and you continue to send me the essential ones about this virus. So today, I'd like to do my best to share what I know and help you understand what the best available guidance is as things stand right now. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Hi, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. How many clinical trials does a vaccine have to go through? Well, this is an important question. Vaccines have to go through multi-phase trials to make sure they're effective and safe. Typically, I'll tell you, a vaccine takes 8 to 10 years to develop, so things are already progressing very rapidly. With COVID-19, researchers around the world are trying to develop a vaccine as early as the end of this year. If they succeed, that would be a historic record. But here's how the process typically works. First, a vaccine is usually tested in animals before humans. Now, if those results are promising, scientists will then move on to a three-phase trial in humans. In phase one, the vaccine is given to a small group of people to check for safety, and sometimes to get some signals about immune system response. If things go well there, researchers move on to the next phase. In phase two, the vaccine is tested on more people, often hundreds of people, and researchers do try to include a more diverse pool of participants. For example people from different age groups, and people with underlying medical conditions. If those results are promising, the trial then will move to phase three. I should point out, for COVID-19, due to the time crunch, some projects are combining phase one and two trials, which means researchers start testing the vaccine on larger groups of people earlier on. And then finally, in phase three, the vaccine is tested on thousands or tens of thousands of people. With such a large group, Researchers are trying to determine if the vaccine offers protection from the virus. They can also continue to look for possible rare side effects as well. The very first phase three trial of a coronavirus vaccine in the United States has just begun. They will eventually be giving shots to 30,000 people for this Moderna vaccine. Half of them will get the actual vaccine. Half of them will get a placebo that really does nothing. And in the end, they'll see what happens to those two groups. Is there any difference? They hope there is a difference and that the vaccine protects people from getting sick or dying from COVID-19. One of the keys to making a phase three trial work is you've got to find areas of the world where the virus is rapidly circulating. That way you have enough people to test and to compare to people who aren't receiving the vaccine. Once a vaccine passes phase three, it may then be approved and licensed for use. 
Hi, Sanjay. Do you think it's going to be one uniform vaccine or do you think there will be different vaccines? That is the big question. I tell you, scientists around the world are working on more than 160 different potential vaccines and 24 of them are currently in human trials. That's according to the World Health Organization. Under a program which you've probably heard of by now, it's called Operation Warp Speed, the United States government is awarding billions of dollars to pharmaceutical companies that are working on COVID-19 vaccines. But no matter the investment, ultimately success will really depend on the safety and efficacy of the product. Any vaccine that passes through phase three human trials could be approved for use. So really, we could be getting multiple successful vaccines or we could be getting none. At this point, we just don't know how things are going to pan out. Preliminary results for a few vaccine projects do seem promising, but more research is needed. We're still in the early days of these trials. What we're really going to need to see is the phase three results to make sure that the vaccines are safe and that they are effective for most of the population to use. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert, has said that he thinks there's going to be more than one winner, and he thinks that's a good thing. I like the idea about there being multiple candidates in the queue, and I hope that we do get approval of more than one candidate because we need a lot of vaccine, not only for people in the United States, but for the rest of the world. So we're hoping for a more than one winner. And when the first one comes out, if it's available, I would encourage people to get vaccinated. Hi, Dr. Gupta. I'm a high school French teacher, and it's really important that my students see my whole face, especially my mouth. So I'm wondering if face shields are just as effective as wearing a cloth or a surgical mask. Well, first of all, I just have to say as a parent, I want to say thank you for your work as a teacher, and I totally understand the difficult position you are in. As we all try to figure out how to best continue schooling and educating our kids through the pandemic, questions like this are going to come up over and over again. At this point, the CDC does not recommend using plastic face shields for everyday activities or as a substitute for face masks. Now, there are a few exceptions, such as for those who are hearing impaired and rely on lip reading, or those who have physical or mental health conditions that could be exacerbated by wearing a face mask. Face coverings are essential because they reduce the spray of droplets from the nose and the mouth. Face shields can add an added layer of protection to masks, but it's still not clear just how effective these face shields are all by themselves. If you do have to use a face shield without a mask, the CDC says the shield should wrap around the sides of the wearer's face and extend below the chin. Disposable face shields should obviously only be used once, and reusable face shields should be cleaned and disinfected after each use. Hi, Dr. Gupta. I am a runner who lives in Los Angeles, California. I run early in the morning and alone. I don't touch anything or stop anywhere. When I encounter other people, I run around them, so we are definitely more than six feet apart, sometimes jumping into the street. Do I need to wear a mask while I'm doing this? This is a great question and one that I've asked as well. I'm a runner. I love running outside every morning, and I know that running with a mask is pretty uncomfortable. I'll just say it. The risk of getting the virus while you're out running outside is really low. But it's not zero. So here's a couple of things to keep in mind. You're already doing the right thing by maintaining physical distance when you're running outside. We know that we've heard six feet. 
But for runners like yourself, maybe you want to make that closer to 10 or 12 feet. Why? Uh, Well, you're breathing harder, and you may be expelling more virus into the air. Second, try to avoid contact with people as much as possible. That's an obvious one. I like the fact that you are running early in the morning, just like me. Later at night is another option. And maybe you also switch up the route from time to time, so you aren't exposing yourself to a heavily trafficked area. If along the way, you see someone who's a few feet in front of you, maybe you switch over to the other side of the road. Now here's where masks might come in. If you're truly going to be running by yourself, you probably don't need one. But if there's a chance that you might be sharing a path or a sidewalk with somebody else, then you should probably have a mask with you. Look, at a minimum, I think it's a courtesy to let people know that you're taking this seriously and trying to protect them. Dr. Gupta, my question is, why is it taking so long to get results for COVID tests? The mayor of Atlanta said that hers took eight days to get back. I'm an RN and I cannot believe it's still taking days and weeks to get test results back. I completely understand your frustration on this one. Recently, my wife and kids tried to get tested, and it was not an easy process. They had to wait in the car for several hours for someone to administer the test, and then it took several days for them to get the results back. In recent weeks, testing delays have become a serious issue in the United States. As more and more people want tests, the wait times have increased more and more as well. People in Arizona reportedly waited in line for up to 13 hours for a test and as long as three weeks to get the results. There are various reasons for this. First of all, demand for tests is outpacing the ability to process results. Quest Diagnostics, that's a major testing company, said it is facing unprecedented demand, especially in the South and the Western regions. Already, in some cases, test results are lagging up to two weeks. The company said labs in the United States won't be able to cope with increased testing demand in the fall flu season, and delays are likely to get worse then. Second, access to testing supplies continues to be a problem in some cities and states. Third, it depends on the type of test. For the swab test, the sample has to be sent to a lab where scientists run a series of steps to detect the genetic material of the virus. Depending on where you are tested, this might mean longer transportation time to a lab. Some labs are also constrained by the number of scientists they have who can actually do the tests. Now, there is another type of test you may have heard of. It's called the antigen test. You can get results from these tests on the spot. Researchers have raised concerns about the accuracy, though, of that type of test. Make no mistake, quick testing is important. When test results are delayed, a person who may be infected could go on to spread the virus to others because they don't know that they are in fact COVID positive. So that's the problem. More importantly, what's the solution? One, the government can expand access to the point-of-care tests. Two, in communities with lower rates of the virus, labs can try pool testing. This is a method in which multiple samples are mixed and tested together. If the entire pooled sample comes back negative, it means none of the individual samples had the virus. So you've essentially tested everyone and saved yourself a lot of time. If the pooled sample comes back positive, then the scientists do have to go back and test each individual sample to figure out which one actually contains the virus. And of course, testing every sample takes a lot longer. U.S. Assistant Secretary for Health, Admiral Brett Girard, told CNN 
that the government is now working to reduce test times and also to ramp up point-of-care and pool testing. Testing better and faster needs to be a priority. It's the key to isolating people and then tracing their contacts. All of that so we can slow the spread of the virus. Hi, Dr. Gupta. Do you think it's safe right now for high school kids to be doing marching band practice outdoors? I know it's outside and they're saying they'll be 10 feet apart, but also they're forcefully spitting into metal tubes that, you know, are designed to spread that far and wide. So I'm wondering what you think. This is a tough one. You're not alone with this concern. Schools, colleges, and orchestras around the country have been grappling with how to resume operations in the fall. The challenge is there really hasn't been a lot of research into this, so we don't know for certain what the best course of action is. Several national and international performing arts organizations have commissioned a study on the aerosol rates produced by wind instrumentalists, vocalists, and even actors, and how quickly those aerosol rates accumulate in a space like a rehearsal hall. I'm going to share with you some of the preliminary recommendations, but a word of caution again, these are just preliminary, and they're not based on live virus tests. Generally, musicians who play these kinds of instruments should maintain physical distance of at least six feet, or maybe even a little further for trombone players. While playing, players should wear a surgical mask that has a slit for the mouthpiece, and they should cover the bells of their instruments to filter out the aerosols released from the instrument. Ideally, practice should be outdoors. If you have to practice inside, open up the windows. You want to be in a room where fresh outdoor air is replacing stale, potentially infected indoor air. Indoor rehearsal should last only about 30 minutes, followed by 20 minutes of cleaning and air circulation. This is one of the things we really don't know that much about, and people are still figuring it out as they go. But things are going to look a lot different, and I think as a parent... Ultimately, we're going to have to decide whether we're comfortable with our kids participating, depending on the circumstances. I am continually impressed with the thoughtful questions you send me each day, and it really gets me thinking. I hope you will continue to share your concerns with me, and I will continue to do my best for you. This podcast is meant to be an ongoing dialogue with you, the listener, so please keep them coming. We're going to be working on a back-to-school series in the coming weeks. So please let us know what's on your mind with regard to that. And remember, you can always record your questions as a voice memo and then email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.